Morena, Tefana. Um, you, you'd be happy to know I got it right this week. Um, I, good, Kerry just sweetly sent me an email to remind me. This is the order that we've got for Advent. We're hitting love this week, and so I had time to dwell on love. And, and it's like I wrote the sermon out, and I thought, this is just too plain. I mean, it's love. What's there to talk about? We're all about love, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great response. <laughs> it's, it's fascinating though, right? I mean, when we think of peace and we think of hope, we, we can talk a lot about that, right? Because there's a lot going on in the world. But one thing that doesn't get talked much about, I don't think, is love. And when you think that regardless of whether you think the church is in decline or not, still the majority of people in the world, the majority of people claim to be Christian. And so that means there must be a lot of love to go around. And yet it's not seeming like that, does it? Hmm. How many churches are meeting this morning just in the Hutt Valley? Where's the love? So I'm challenged by it. I'm actually challenged by, well, what, what, what is this love about? What are we not projecting? Why is peace more important than love? Shouldn't peace be kind of an outflowing of love? Shouldn't hope be an outflowing of love? So rather than give you a history lesson this morning, because it's not much of a history lesson on love, I thought we'd talk philosophy. Yep, here we go. So the question I want to ask is this. Does our sense of need cause us to create God, or do we have those needs because we are created by God? Now, this is actually a, a fundamental issue I face with a lot of people who are either agnostic or, or, or not Christian, or atheists, and who are challenged by, you know, where does my identity come from? Why do I feel the way I feel? Where do these needs, these things come from? Like, what's actually going on? And I love those kind of conversations because the key aspect of Christianity, the key is self-awareness understanding what's going on within me. Had a fascinating discussion with a pastor this week. We've been talking to a couple of churches because we really want to encourage, you know, people to use our space, particularly churches, because we've got good space for other churches. They can meet at 10 o'clock on, on, in the morning on a Saturday, Sunday if they want to. I don't care. But this one guy I was talking to was a fascinating discussion. And we got into talking, and, and he goes, oh, you know, I don't think we're going to really mix because we have two different views of salvation. And I thought, oh, really? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm thinking, salvation, Jesus, I think that's it, right? And he goes, oh, no, no, you, not, your people in church don't speak in tongues. And I said to him, well, I actually don't speak in tongues. And he goes, oh. And I kind of looked at him, and I thought, where are you getting this from? Like, we've both got the same Bibles, don't we? And he just stepped back. So, of course, you know, the love kind of went out the room real quick, right? <laughs> you know, Rob had to, you know, Monica, Monica's not here. She's, she's down and crushed. But she can tell you when, when Rob gets uptight, he just kind of grows about an extra inch or two. He's just, the chest comes out. And, 
I'm like, what is this going on? So I said to him, look, mate, I've got a bachelor's of ministries. I've got a master's in biblical studies. Where are you getting this? And he looked at me and he goes, I have the Holy Spirit. You can't argue that, right? <laughs> Where's the argument on? But it, it's fascinating. So I thought, I've got to take a different tact on this. How can I? And, I? and I started asking him, where's this coming from? And it was a fascinating discussion when I got off my high horse and started acting maybe with a little bit of love and concern for where is he coming from with this? We ended up having to agree to disagree. But it was fascinating the moment love came in the picture where I thought, I'm preaching on this on Sunday, so let me try and actually act this out this week. When I started asking, what's going on inside? Where's this coming from? Well, I feel this, this, and this, was his response. And I thought, oh, that's fascinating. Now we can talk. And we did. And so that raises another question for me. Does our sense of love actually come from God? What, What does love mean for you? Is it being patient with people and listening to them? Is it sacrificing, you know, having to cook dinner every night for your family? Is it more, uh, I don't know, feely type? Does your sense of love come from God? John, in his first letter, he writes this. He says, uh, sorry, Luke chapter 9. Let's actually find out where the source of love comes from. Jesus is being challenged uh, basically about what is he about, who is he, and what is he about. So once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, who do the crowds say I am? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and some still others that the one, one of the prophets from long ago has come back to life. He's asking him, who do, who do you think I really am? But then he says, I don't care what others are saying. What about you? Who do you say I am? Now, Gallup had this um, uh, research thing done a couple of years back where they asked Christians from churches in the US, you know, if you had to give one word for Jesus, what would it be? Now, there was a number of words. One of the popular ones was Savior. But the most popular was Jesus' love. I was like, oh, that's a really cool thing. Because John in his first letter says this. He says, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. All right, so if we love, then that means God lives in us, right? Because earlier he says, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. So just to make sure you're getting this right, if you do love, you understand God. If you don't love, you're missing God. And then he goes on to finish it off by saying, we love because he first loved us. Okay, I've just confused everybody in the room. Well, okay, okay. So love has to come from God, right? Because he is love. And our famous verse of all, John 3.16, that we see everywhere, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. So the love is incorporated in this Jesus that we're called to follow. And it's fascinating because Jesus didn't come to just show us what we need to do to get to God. He's showing us the basics of love and that is how far God will go to come to us. 
And this is the foundation of love. So when I'm in a discussion with a person that totally annoys me, who's misreading Scripture completely and leading a whole bunch of people down a road that is absolutely nonsense, my reaction is to want to smack him up and put him in his right place. Yeah, thank you. But that's not the way to do it. That's not love. Love is how far am I going to go to walk alongside this person even if it drives me absolutely crazy. This is Jesus. This is who we are called to follow. This is the embodiment of love in one person and one person that we follow and that we're called to be like. Love is the most important commandment. Jesus goes on to explain, hey, Jesus, what's the most important commandment? There's 613 of them. Can you tell us what's the most important one? It's actually all about love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Love your neighbor as yourself. I've always wondered, you know, what if you don't love yourself? That's a fascinating question. Love is the most important commandment. Love is also a trademark that we are called to carry. Do you know that? In John 13, Jesus says, As I have loved you, you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So love has to be our trademark. It has to be what we show. I'm wearing sketches on right now. There's a big S on my shoes. Well, not, not a really big S on these ones. If I'm wearing a Nike shoes, it'll be a big Nike little tick thing from the Greek goddess. If I'm wearing an Adidas hat, I've got the three little Adidas, I don't know what the three things are on Adidas, but that's, we know the trademarks of these things. What, what's our trademark? It's love. Right? Yeah. But uh, this love is so invasive, so total, that we're even to love our enemies. It's not just something we show each other. Even the people we don't like, we're called to love. Jesus says in Matthew, you've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. It's not a like, right? I like this person. I don't know. I like. No, no, no. It's love. And what kind of love is he talking about here? The Jesus love. Love. So what does love actually look like? Because if I ask everybody in this room, love's going to look very differently for all of you. I loved Friday morning when my wife and daughter went off to Christchurch and I had the house to myself. I actually sat down and for once I had the sermon finished by Friday evening. I needed to put it all on the PowerPoint and work it through, but I was just like, oh, this is great. Now I can watch whatever I want to watch on TV. That's not really love, right? Because by Saturday morning, I'm moping around the house going, where are they? I'm all alone. So what does love actually look like? We sometimes equate it, like especially this time of the year, because one thing that I, I don't like this time of the year about is, 
Um, my family likes to watch all those Hallmark love TV movie things. Yeah, yuck, exactly. It, the, the same storyline, the same, it, like they're all, the, how do we keep watching these things? That, that, I, that's not love. I mean, is that love? Kind of. So <laughs> oh, I've hit a nerve. <laughs> I mean, it, it makes you feel good. I mean, they're called feel-good movies for a reason, right? And love does make you feel good. There's no two ways around it. The feeling makes you feel good. You know, uh, that's just the nature of it. But what does it actually, what, what does God want it to look like for us? In John 15, 12, my, my, Jesus says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. This is actually a command. <laughs> he, he doesn't mince words here. He's saying this like, dude, hear this. People, hear this. Love each other as I have loved you. How has he loved us? One John three sixteen. Everyone's heard of John three sixteen, but one John three sixteen says this: This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down His life for us. That's total. That's complete. There's no second chances. It is a full stop at the end of that. That is how complete love is. And that is how complete we are called to love one another. Now think about that for a moment. When we talk about a trademark or a symbol, the cross, if you're Catholic, you've got Jesus on there. If you're Protestant, you've got no Jesus on there. This is the problem with theology. They both lose the point. Both of them are right. Both of them make sense. Both of them point out love. But what gets lost in this image is what we use it for. This is a symbol not just of Jesus' sacrifice for us. It's a symbol of Jesus' love for us. Too many times the cross is used in way too many ways and not the way Jesus had intended it to be, where God showed his love for all of us, for you, for me, for those who crucified him, for those who ignored him, for those who didn't show up, for those who turned their backs on him, he still died for them. The cross is not a symbol of conquering, of power. It's not a symbol of theological rightness is a symbol of God's love, complete and total for us. That is the power of the cross. So, got some homework for you this week. As always, as always, as in the last four weeks, Meditate on John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son. Meditate on 1 John 3.16, which says, 
Meditate on those two verses. And I want you to personalize it. It's easy for us to put up a sign and tell the world that Jesus died for you, but I want you to know that he died for you. So rather than read it as, well, God so loved the world, put your name in there. And rather than use the word us, put your name in there. This is how we know or how I know what love is. Jesus laid down his life for Rob. For God so loved Rob that he sent his only son. Don't mem- I mean, if you want to memorize it, go for it. If you want to read deeper into it, by all means, just dwell on it, meditate on it. Let it sink in. Because if you don't know this love, you will never be able to share that love. If you don't understand the sacrifice he made for you, then it won't be easy for you to share that with others. Remember what I said about self-awareness. What if we don't love ourselves? Well, this morning, I want to tell you, that symbol there is a sign of how much God loves you. You, for all that you carry, for all that is weighing you down, for all the brokenness you think you are, all the failure you might think, for all that you carry, he loves you wholly. Both in the whole sense and the holy sense. Dwell on it this week. Will you do that? Ask the music team to come up. Just want you to dwell on that right now. Dwell on what that means. Uh, The cross is lit up there. What that symbol means for you. And in this season especially where we're reminded that Jesus came, choosing to come the way he came in such a crazy way. To begin a ministry of showing the world how much he loves us. Every one of us. but especially you. He loves you wholly. Wonderful song to, to sing as we um, 